So we're doing the whole first chapter of Ruth tonight, or at least I'm doing it, uh, one-man show. So starting on page 276, 276. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem, Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife, wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Marlon and Kilion. And they were, sorry, and, and they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem. Judah, sorry, Ephraim, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons, and they married Moabite women, one named Orpah, and the other Ruth. And after they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing them with food, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the, family, to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness on you, as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant you each, <coughs> may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them, and they wept aloud, and, she, and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, and even if I thought I was still, there was still hope for me, and even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn my back on you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realised that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went out on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived at Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she said. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Noad, accompanied by Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem 
as the barley harvest was beginning. Our lives are full of uh, going away and coming back. Most of us, every day, at least during the week, uh, there are the simple going away and coming back events. You go away to school, you go away to uni, you go away to work, and uh, you come back again. Uh, To break that monotony, from time to time, most of us go away on a holiday. And, unfortunately, we come back again. There are, the, there are the simple mundane going aways and coming backs uh, and there are the significant ones, aren't there? Sometimes you can be in a relationship, a, a good relationship with a friend or a partner and there can be a going away. Things can break down. Things can become difficult and sometimes, God willing, there's a coming back. Sometimes people go to war. They go away to war and they pray that they will come back. There are the simple going aways and coming backs. There are the significant ones. The most significant going away would be to go away from God, wouldn't it? I wonder if it's possible for us to go away from God and to need to come back and whether he would have us back. Well, tonight we see in this first chapter of Ruth, of, uh, Ruth uh, Naomi goes away and comes back. And it challenges us to see whether we need to do that too. Verse 1, In the days when the judges ruled... Now, you guys have had judges, most of you, if you've been here the last six weeks, and so I don't need to give you a big summary of where we're up to in the Bible story. God's given his people the land. Uh, He's blessed them. He's come to dwell with them in the land. It's the land of blessing. And yet the people keep on doing evil in the eyes of the Lord. He hands them over to their enemies. They cry out in distress, and he sends them a deliverer, a judge, and then they do it all again. The judges cycle. We're not told in this story when it happened in this three or four hundred year period. We're not told which oppressor was oppressing them. We're not told which judge is saving them. But we are told that there was a famine in the land. Is that because there's an oppressor, there's war going on which produces famine? Is it a direct judgment from God for their sin? We don't know. But we know there shouldn't be a famine in the land. God promised to bless his people. If you obey me, I will give you abundant harvests. And it's pointed and direct and poignant because it's, it's there in Bethlehem. And if you were an original reader of this story, you'd be reading in Hebrew and you'd know that the town Bethlehem, the name means house of bread. And there is no bread in the house what would you do when there's no bread to eat when there's no food to eat and it's not just you to worry about Uh, it's your husband and your two sons well it was the husband who made the decision that's clear in verse one and Naomi the central character of chapter one has to go with him 
And so they went away. They became refugees. Not just to the next town. Perhaps there was no food there either. Not just to another tribe of God's people, the people of Israel. No, they went a long way away, across outside the land, across the Jordan River, to the people of Moab. And that's surprising. The Moab are their enemy. When they were on the way to the promised land, Moab refused to give them any food. Why would you go there when you need food? And do you remember big fat Eglon, the fat king with the sword in his stomach, remember? He had plenty of food, I guess, but he was from Moab. Why would you go there? They went away, not just from their own town or their own country. They went away from God's people. They went away from God's land. And get this, they went away from God himself by going to Moab. Well, verse 1 is just telling you the details, but no names. Do you see that? Verse 2, we meet the people. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name, Naomi, and two sons, Marlon and Kilion. And we begin to care about them, for now they have names. They went to Moab and they lived there. It worked, this going away. They survived. But their survival is short-lived, for the shadow of death comes upon them. Verse 3, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Marlon and Kilian also died and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. These events didn't happen at once, all in one go. Her husband died. Her sons got married, and after she'd been there ten years, her sons also died. Now, it didn't happen all at once, but that's irrelevant. The amount of time that has passed does not matter. Verse 5 says literally, the woman, her name is gone, the woman was left without and the storyteller doesn't need to tell you how she felt. Here is a world of pain in one family. Last week I promised you relief after Judges, didn't I? It would be happy and delightful, the next story. A relief from the evil and the mass killings of the end of Judges. Well, there is no evil and violence here true, just terrible grief. And in a sense, it puts a personal face, doesn't it, on the sheer numbers of the end of Judges last week, where almost a whole tribe, where tens of thousands of people are slaughtered, each of them members of families. 
It's like when you hear about a natural disaster in another country like Guatemala with its volcano exploding recently and you hear of the hundreds of people who've been killed and then on the radio bulletin I hear this man being interviewed, an 82-year-old man, and every member of his family has just died. And it puts a personal face on the tragedy. A world of pain in one family. And many of us know all about this, don't we? My parents had five children and they have two left. I don't know what it might be for you. It might be your parents or your partner or your child or children. It could be your brother or sister. Or it might be that you know people who've had extraordinary grief. This is a world of pain. And the Bible doesn't pretend, does it? Naomi went away. And she lived as a result. But she was left without her family. You wonder how Naomi would go on day after day. You wonder how she reacted to this grief. How she reacted to her God. Well, Naomi went away, but she came back. Why? Verse 6, because she heard some good news. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people, literally, that the Lord had visited his people by providing food for them, she got ready to return. Even all the way over there in Moab, somehow she hears what has happened. The Lord had visited his people, and not by an angel, not by sending a deliverer, It wasn't miraculous, seemingly. Not supernatural in kindness. He provided food. That's the Lord visiting his people. And there's a surprise there, isn't there? Naomi's going to return. That's not so great a surprise. But who is going with her, verse 6? Naomi and her daughters-in-law. Surely they've returned by now to their own family. Surely now that Naomi's going back, they'll go back to their own family if they haven't already. Why do they want to go? Do they want to leave Moab? Are they sick of it and bored of Moab? Do they not like their own families? Is there no family to provide for them? No, it mentions them later. Is it that they love their mother-in-law? Perhaps. Is it that they are attracted to her God? We don't know. Naomi says no, though. And we begin to see, don't we, how Naomi has reacted to her grief. Verse 8, go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them. And they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands, as was traditional? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, 
Even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Naomi's realistic, isn't she? She knows the timeline that it wouldn't work. But she's also bitter. May the Lord show kindness to you, she says to her daughters-in-law, but there is no hope for me. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Well, Orpah goes back, but Ruth is a determined woman. She is a gutsy woman, like lots of the women in the Bible. And she says, verse 16, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God, she will not be deterred. Whether it's love for Naomi or love for Naomi's God, she's determined to come and to join God's people. And in the end, Naomi realizes she's fighting a losing battle. So she gives up, stops urging her and lets her come. There's something very wrong about this exchange, don't you think, between Naomi, one of God's people, and Ruth, not one of God's people. Who do you think at this point should be persuading whom to come? Naomi should be doing the persuading, don't you think? She's one of God's people, living out a God's way of living and surely inviting others to join. Come in your weariness and your burden and your grief. Come and enjoy the blessings of God's land and know the true God. Instead, what happens? Ruth, the Gentile, the non-God's people, pleads to come. And Naomi sends her back to her people and to her fake gods. There's something very wrong about that, isn't there? It's like Billy Graham who's preached the gospel and there are thousands coming down the aisle because they want to come to Jesus. And he says, stop, don't do it, go back. How wrong would that be? Why is she like that? Because she is bitter and thinks the Lord's hand has gone out against her. Why would you want to come to him, she thinks. He'll only afflict you like he's afflicted me. Yes, he does have a bit of kindness. I hope you get some, but there's none for me, and you might get the same treatment. She thinks God just has a little bit of kindness, and you might miss out altogether. I wonder if we could be like Naomi and think God's kindness is limited and that being part of his people is really not that good. That it's a burden to be a Christian, not a blessing. Do we think like that, honestly? Is that why we are so slow, so hesitant to want others to come to Jesus? Secretly, we really think 
they'd be better off staying away. Well, the two women come back. They travel on the road back to Bethlehem. For Ruth, it's a new road to a new land with new possibilities and a new hope. For Naomi, it's an old road. She's travelled on it once before, but it was better then. Ten years ago, she was going away. She was hungry, but she had a husband and two sons, and she had hope. Now she just has grief and regret and guilt. But she's coming home, verse 19. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Saru Brealy grew up in India for the first few years until by a strange accident he, at just a few years of age, got stuck on a train a train that was leaving his village and travelling all the way to a town he'd never heard of before with millions of people called Calcutta. He became a street kid there until he was finally picked up and then finally adopted by a, a couple from Tasmania. He grew up in Tasmania. But in his 20s, he wanted to find his home, find out who he was and let his mum know that he was alive. And so he spent years on Google Maps, calculating and trying to work out which village he was from. Finally, he worked it out, travelled to India, arrived in the town, asked around and found the right house. And his mother, who had heard nothing for 25 years, finally had her son. And I imagine people said something like, can this be Saru? Except they didn't say that because he'd got his name wrong all those years. It was Sharu, which means lion. And you might have heard this story before. Well, when Naomi and Ruth arrive back, they haven't heard anything for 10 years. And so they say, can this be Naomi? And I imagine they also asked, where is your husband? Where are your sons? And she says, verse 20, don't call me Naomi, which means pleasant, she told them. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. You feel the pain of her words, don't you? And you feel for her. You understand to some extent. Her family was full and she's come back empty. Her life is now bitter and she is bitter and her bitterness distorts everything. It distorts how she sees everything. Do you notice her words here? I went away full. Is that true? Her family was full. They were all alive. 
but their stomachs were not full. That's why they left. She went away empty and got fed. But she can't see that because she's bitter. I've come back empty, she says. Well, yes, her biological family is empty. They have died. But Naomi is not empty. Can you imagine? I've come back empty. And who is standing next to her? Ruth. Who am I? Says Ruth. I just said I will leave my people and my God and stick with you until death. I've come back here with you, my mother-in-law. And you say I'm empty as if I don't exist. But in her bitterness, she cannot see it. Verse 22 makes it clear, doesn't it? So Naomi returned from Moab accompanied by Ruth. Arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. That's not empty. There's food now. And you find out in chapter 4 that she is not destitute. She has a block of land worth money, highly unusual for a woman of the Middle East at that time. But in her bitterness, she cannot see it. Are you ever like that? You can't see God's blessings because of your bitterness. She can see one thing. She sees something clearly. The Lord is in control. Do you see what she says? The Lord has brought me back. The Lord has afflicted me. That's true. The Lord brings blessings and he brings afflictions. And she knows it. And she hasn't pretended he doesn't exist or that he only brings good things. She's got that right. But she can't see his blessings. By the end of the story, she is thoroughly soaked with God's blessings. She has food. There's a husband, a good husband for Ruth. And she has her grandson on her lap. But Naomi can't see it. Call me But regardless of what Naomi can't see, see what she does. In her bitterness, she heard the good news that the Lord had visited his people in Bethlehem. And what did she do? She came back. She has a simple confession. I went away. Not an explanation not blaming her husband for the decision. She owns it. I went away. But now she has come back. Is it possible today to go away from the Lord, do you think? God's people don't gather all in one place in the world, do they? They don't have a land like it was back then. God doesn't have a dwelling place in a temple or a tabernacle so that you can go away from God's geographical location. But is it possible to go away from God for us? Well, yeah, it's possible to go away from God's people, isn't it? Chances are some of us have done that for a good period of time. Stop gathering with God's people. Said to ourselves, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. So I haven't gone away from God at all. 
but we've gone away from his people. Surely that's going away from God. Or it's possible too, isn't it, to not have gone away from God's people, to remain with God's people, in fact to be involved in Christian service amongst God's people, but to be far away from God. Do you remember what Isaiah said? They honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You can be here tonight amongst God's people. You can be serving here tonight, but your heart is far from God. How could that happen? Well, you're attracted by the world. You're enticed by the world. You actually think there are more blessings, more joy and more fun in the world than in loving God. Maybe you've been disillusioned by God's people or hurt by God's people or perhaps most powerfully, you've been made bitter like Naomi by suffering and grief. The Lord has afflicted you. His kindness is little and you've stopped thinking it's worth loving Perhaps you're now facing difficult times in life that weren't there before and you realise that you've simply drifted away from him and you need to come back to him. What do you do if that's you? Do you have to deal with your bitterness first? Do you have to deal with your being enticed by the world first? No. Naomi shows us that. Do you see? She was still bitter when she came back. But in her bitterness, she heard the good news that the Lord had visited his people in Bethlehem and in her bitterness, she came home. We have it far better, don't we? The Lord has showed his kindness by visiting his people in Bethlehem. No matter what you have experienced in this life, whatever your grief and bitterness is, God has shown his kindness by giving not just food but a saviour. And that saviour told the greatest going away and coming back story ever told. A son who went away from his father, who hated his father, spent his inheritance in wild living and reached rock bottom. He then remembered his father's kindness, he saw that good news and he returned home. Had he fixed everything? Was he rejuvenated before he came home? No, I take it he came home broken and regretful and guilty. But he came home. And the point of the story, how did the father react? He saw him a long way off. He ran and threw his arms around him. Do you realise you have gone away from God tonight? That in Naomi you see yourself perhaps in bitterness and you know you need to come back. Do you need help to do that? Could I pray with you about later tonight. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come home. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that in this story of Naomi going away and coming back, 
We see how it is that we can go away from you, even in our hearts. Father, help us to see if that is us tonight. And Father, we thank you for showing us clearly that we can come back just as we are. And you are a loving Father in the Lord Jesus Christ and welcome us through him. We pray this in his name. Amen.